This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Welcome to the latest episode of the Obsessive Euro, where a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be a genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com and also find the companion blog at obsessiveviewer.com. And uh, this week we have a guest, Tiny. I'm not a guest. No, you're not a guest. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> our guest today is our friend Pat from the Nerds You're Looking For podcast. Hey, Pat. Hey, guys. How's it How's going? going? Wonderful. Pretty good. Oh. Damn it. I thought we were going to be in sync again. Damn it. <laughs> um, it's going well. How about yourself? <laughs> I'm good. I'm excited to be on. It's been a long time. It has been. And, uh, you know, just I've been super busy. And yeah. it's like, uh, yeah. You know. But you're back. You're on, yeah, the, I you're am. on the podcast again. Yay. Yeah, I, I'm, I've been really excited about this. My wife is kind of annoyed. She, I think she just kind of wants me to, to record and be done with it because I've been talking about it for a couple of weeks now. <laughs> oh, did I tell you I'm going to be on the Obsessive Viewer again? She's like, yeah, I know. This is like the hundredth time you told me. So <laughs> I think she's just going to be glad when it's over. Nice, nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, basically, I, I don't know if I've told you this, Matt, but mm-hmm. there would be the no the nerd you're looking for without – me being on the Obsessive Viewer for your guys' zombie episode, I just really loved doing it. Um, so I just, Tyler and I decided to start our own. So nice. uh, there would be no podcast if it wasn't for the Obsessive Viewer. That is what we do here. We inspire <laughs> dreams. I'm so proud. I'm so yeah. proud. <laughs> yes. And uh, I know Tyler is listening. And, uh, I, I... Well, if he is listening, stop listening, Tyler, because I don't want you to – I don't want to spoil our Ant-Man review. Right. <laughs> well, eventually he'll listen, and I just want to say, Tyler, how does it feel knowing your, knowing your co-host is here with us? <laughs> I'm committing poddultery. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, uh, before we get started – by the way, uh, this episode is going to be covering Ant-Man. And uh, yep. before we get started on that, Pat, why don't you go ahead and just tell us about the nerds you're looking for and where we can find all your stuff and, you know, uh, just pitch the show to us. We're, right, we're well, both avid listeners. As you said, it's, it's, it's uh, nerds you're looking for. We are a weekly nerd culture podcast. We just discuss the, the culture through various segments. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, basically any good podcast directory. We're on it. We also have a companion blog, thenerdspodcast.com. We also have a YouTube channel, and we're pretty much on all the social media sites, Facebook, Twitter. Twitter is uh, at the Nerds Podcast. We're also on Google Plus and a bunch of other stuff. So check us out, pretty much all of the social media websites. Who's in your MySpace top eight? MySpace top eight. I mean, like seven of seven of them are just the porn websites, and then the other one is Matt. Oh, nice. Oh. I was I was hoping that I would be the eight. Um, <laughs> very nice. And uh, your your YouTube channel. Uh, you are about to post a your first Let's Play, correct? Yes, I just did a Let's Play for Arkham Knight. Nice. There is a bunch of Batmobile 
AR challenges, and I'm just garbage at the Batmobile. <laughs> it, the controls are very touchy. And so I thought it would be fun to record me uh, driving around doing one of these AR challenges, and it goes terribly. And, it's, <laughs> and it was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed uh, playing it, and then I enjoyed making fun of myself playing it. So it was a lot of fun. I'm going to post that. I don't know when this is going to post, mm -hmm. so I don't know if I should say it's going to post in a couple of days or next week. Or basically, we're recording this on Monday night. I had mm -hmm. to think about what day it was. <laughs> I'm going to post it on this coming Thursday okay, if everything nice. goes as planned. That should be the same day that I post this episode, so right on. All right, cool. Nice. So that'll that'll work out. Oh, yeah. So, okay, so uh, uh, before we get to our main topic of, of Ant-Man, I almost said the Ant-Man, <laughs> um, uh, a couple things that I want to bring up real quick, just news about the site and everything. Uh, last weekend, or last week for our uh, Vault Movies 3 episode, I added a little... Uh, teaser to my solo project podcast that I'm going to be doing um, called Anthology. I just wanted to say that here in a couple weeks, I'm going to be unleashing that into the world. So if you're interested in uh, science fiction storytelling from television's golden age, particularly the Twilight Zone, um, check out AnthologyPod.com. It'll be on this feed as well. So, you know, and also... Uh, Lately, I've been covering on the blog, uh, I just finished the Marvel Cinematic Universe review series, and then also I'm covering uh, as much of Indie Film Fest as I can. You can actually find a new section of the site at uh, obsessiveviewer.com slash Indianapolis. It's where I'm hoping that we'll be covering more Indianapolis-based film uh, topics and things like that. And finally, uh, of course... Check out shocktoberandirvington.com where we have more information about Shocktober and Irvington 2, which will be October 16th, 2015 at the Irving Theater. We're going to be showing short horror films from local filmmakers, giving, uh, having giveaways and prizes and all that kind of good stuff. And uh, all the proceeds are going to the Irvington Historical Society. And also, last, last thing, subscribe to reddit.com slash r slash obsessive viewer. Uh, okay, so all that being said... We're here to talk Ant-Man, guys. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, as we are wont to do on The Obsessive Viewer, I think this is something that Mike actually uh, would do occasionally, um, but what were the circumstances of seeing the movie for you guys? Um, like, where, what, when did you see it? What, what was the theater atmosphere like? Um, and, Pat, since you're our, you are our guest, uh, why don't you go ahead and get, get us kicked off on that? Well, the when I saw it, I love that they're doing these early screenings. And so I've gotten in the habit of always seeing a movie on Thursday. Like, hmm. it's just become part of my movie-watching habit. So I love the fact that they've had these early screenings. So I went and saw it, I believe it was like 8 p.m. Central Time on Thursday. Went and saw it, and I was actually surprised at how not busy it was. I mean, I've gone to these... Thursday night screenings for Age of Ultron and all the other big Marvel movies, and it was packed. And this one, not so much. Wow. That's, you know, my theater wasn't really that busy either. Granted, I went on a Saturday, whoa, I went on like a Saturday at like, at like four. Hmm. Uh, so it should have been kind of, kind of busy. But yeah, I don't think it's doing as well, as well as people thought it was. Yeah. I knew they were kind of projecting it at like 60 to 65 million, mm -hmm. and I know it didn't hit that. Oof. That you know, 
yeah, that that sucks. But we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tiny, sure. what about your? Well, actually, uh, yeah, my circumstances watching it was a matinee at the at a local theater. There was a few people checking their phone. Like five people in the theater was were checking their phone throughout the throughout the movie. Like five different people in different sections. And all I thought was like, I wish I had, like in that moment, my preferred superpower would have been to disrupt the electronics at will because that would just be perfect for that. Oh but, my god! Yeah. Anyway, that's that was my thought There's process. A problem with it. that power, though, because then you would shut off the projector. Ooh. Ah. Well, I would have to focus it. I'm. I'm. I imagined like a uh, like Cyclops, uh, with with his eye stuff, <laughs> kind of focusing it <laughs> his on eye that. Stuff. His eye stuff. That's the uh, that's the actual technical uh, thing. But anyway, Tiny, what was what were your what was your theater experience for this movie? Uh, I also saw it in a matinee. It was a four o'clock showing uh, yesterday on Sunday, the day of the Lord, um, <laughs> and there weren't that many people there. Really, got some popcorn. Went with my girlfriend. She Aww. wanted to see it. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she wanted to see it. She wanted to see it. Yeah, really. And she liked it. Nice. Yeah. Uh, well, that's cool. So, what about our just kind of broad topic or broad th- thoughts on this movie? Um, just kind of give us a rundown of what 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 you thought of the movie, and then we'll kind of get into a deeper discussion from there. Pat, what uh, what did you think of Ant Man? Well, I think this movie is going to divide a lot of Marvel fans mm-hmm. because it, I don't I don't think it's for the faint of heart, and I say that because it's very very exposition heavy at the very beginning like it takes a while for it to get going but i think it's worth it i think it definitely pays off once it gets going it just takes a while to get going and i think it may lose some people and i think a lot of people are going to either love this movie or they're going to hate it because of that Mm -hmm. Um, i also like how it's a lot different than most of the marvel movies that we've seen so far in the fact that it's it's really a heist movie, which I really enjoy. I enjoy that genre of movies. Um, so I, I enjoyed the fact that it was more of a caper movie than a superhero movie at, at certain aspects. I also liked that other than really the Incredible Hulk, we haven't really seen a hero and a square off with a villain that really essentially has the same powers as the villain. And so I, I thought that was an interesting um, dynamic. So that's kind of without getting too into too uh, too many of the particulars. That's kind of my broad strokes of Ant Man. Nice. I did not. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Right on. And also, we won't be spoiling the movie. And then if we do get into spoilers, I'll cut it at the end of the episode. But anyway, um, Tiny, what what were what did you think of Ant Man? Uh, I really really liked it a lot. Nice. Um, I. I haven't gone through the whole rigmarole of like where I would put it amongst the other films of the cinematic universe because mm-hmm. I need to see it again. I need to see some of the others again, stuff like that. Um, but I, th- I mean, I th- it's a, it's in the top half without question. Um, oh, really? I thought it was fantastic. I really think, I, th- I think Marvel and these comic book movies, at least the, the Marvel ones, have have really kind of nailed down a formula, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say the movie was formulaic, but I, I, I think the direction they take with their movies, like the fact that they're casting these actors who are known for their comedy, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> like Paul Rudd and, and uh, Chris Pratt, um, that's, I think that's a step in the right direction. I think keeping it lighthearted and, 
and in the right moments is really working for it. And there was plenty of that on display in this movie. Um, I, I love the casting and the, the filmmaking and all the effects and, and all the action and stuff like that was just, was just what I wanted. It was, it was better than I thought it was going to be. Nice. Right on. Well, my thoughts on, on Ant-Man just kind of in broad terms here. Um, you know, I, I liked it a lot more than I expected. It, uh, I have a review that's going to be posting that will have posted a couple days ago on the site, but this movie was a lot better than it really had any right to be, um, considering the the kind of peculiar premise and the the trouble behind the scenes, um, and and I really went in expecting it to be not quite that good, um, but I it ended up really really satisfying satisfying me. I uh, thought that it was a little clunky, kind of kind of at the start and kind of into the middle of it um you could kind of definitely tell that there was that there was some uh some some struggles with with the script and and behind the scenes and everything there but you know once they got into the actual action of it and like seeing see, seeing ant-man go to ant size and then human size and then ant size and human size to to fight was just a really refreshing kind of action sequence setup or conceit for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and that kind of really, uh, really clicked with me. And so I, it had its problems. We'll we'll get into the specifics about the movie, but um, I liked it quite a bit. I, I it's I rated it a seven out of ten, um, a bargain buy on the website. So you know, I, I thought it was pretty pretty good. Nice. Yeah. So let's start with Scott Lang. What did you guys think of Paul Rudd and uh, and Scott Lang and, and Hank Pym? Also, we can throw that in there. Pat, I know that you're a lot more knowledgeable when it comes to the comic book lore of of comic books in general. So yeah. what did you what did you think of Hank Pym? Kind of the movie being kind of about passing the torch to Scott Lang. How did you feel about that? I really liked it. I think Paul Rudd was cast perfectly. Mm-hmm. I, I can't now that I've seen the movie. I can't imagine anybody else doing. What, what he did in the movie. I think he's just fantastic. I liked how it matched the tone of the new comic book series. I, I really like It's one of my favorite uh, series that Marvel puts out right now is, is the new yes. Ant-Man. So I, I'm really glad that they kind of matched the tone. They took some li- liberties with uh, Darren Cross. Well, they mm-hmm. took a, a ton of liberties uh, with his character. I thought Corey Stahl did an amazing job as always. Mm-hmm. Didn't think he always had a lot to work with in this movie. His, his motivations kind of felt a little bit forced to me, but I, I mean, I liked it. I, I really like how uh, it matches up with the comic book really well. Nice. And how far into the comic are they? Cause they started it a few months ago. I'm going off of what I've heard on, uh, on the nerds you're looking for. So when, and is it particularly made for the movie? Like, is there, is the likeness on the page like Paul Rudd or anything like that, or is it just like kind of a standard deviation? Not, not exactly. Okay. Um, I think they're in issue six or seven at this okay. point. Darren Cross is completely different. It's much more like the older comic book Darren Cross, which is completely different than Corey Stahl's character in this movie. Okay. Um, but I really like it. It's it's very much uh, very comedic type of tone which is exactly like the movie so that's that's kind of what i was hoping for when i was going into this that that they they want much more comedic touch to it and uh, i'm happy to report that it that's exactly what happened 
Very nice. Very nice. Uh, Tiny, what do you think of Paul Rudd? Uh, just phenomenal casting. Uh, from the from the get go, I was like, yes. When they when they announced that they cast Paul Rudd, I was like, yeah, perfect, love it. I don't even mm-hmm. really know anything about Ant Man, but just <laughs> the way that Marvel's been handling their characters from the get go, um, I think Paul Rudd fits into that role f- fantastically because I, I really appreciated his his work as a dramatic actor over you know the past decade and a half or so that we've been really acquainting ourselves with his career mm-hmm. um he's most mostly famous for his comedy and i think he really shines there but he has delivered some dramatic performances that i think are outstanding and so i knew that with his capability to do that with both genres that he was gonna he was gonna be great for this um and i i've never understood why people dislike Paul Rudd. <laughs> I, I think he's just charming and, and, and pretty charismatic and just a genuinely funny guy. Um, I, he's maybe a little cookie cutter, I guess, um, in, in, in regards to his comedic style and, and his appearance and features and whatnot, I guess, but I don't think you can really hold that against him. Um, I don't know. I, I've always really liked Paul Rudd and just about everything he's been in. Um, even some of the bad stuff and, uh, and I think this is one of his better performances. Nice. Uh, I will say that uh, this, as of this recording a couple of days ago, was the 20-year anniversary of Clueless. Oh, wow. So you, you would know that. I know you guys all had your calendars marked. I know that you guys <laughs> yeah. celebrated it in your own way. But Did you look that up or know it off the top of your head? Uh, no comments. So anyway, <laughs> Paul Rudd was fantastic in this movie. Yes. <laughs> I agree. He's a very char- charismatic guy. I really like his comedic sensibility. And I know that he did some – I don't know if he – I don't know the specifics, but I know that he's credited with – he has a co-writer credit with Adam McKay. Um, so, from what I understand, it's mostly – uh, Edgar Wright and Joe Cornish's original script, but that, but Adam McKay and Paul Rudd kind of, kind of added to it or, or tweaked it. Mm-hmm. I believe I, I don't know the specifics, but, but anyway, I think I think that it really played well into what Paul Rudd has established himself as a comedic actor, and 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 I don't think we've really seen him as an as a uh, as an action star or anything. But um, yeah. I think it really kind of t- it was tailored really well to his to his charisma. And his energy, and I think that the script, per- particularly, like in my review, I was—I don't think I was harsh or anything, but I think that I definitely mentioned that it was kind of it kind of struggled here and there, and you could really tell that it was that it was a troubled production. But one area that they really, really did well at was they gave Scott Lang something to something to fight for, something to really put the audience in, into his corner with with the whole out of prison and and his daughter um kind of fighting for his daughter I, I i guess and that kind of that kind of dynamic and that kind of establishment there was was really strong for me and it really made me care for the character and really made me you know excited to watch him hopefully overcome evil and all that stuff <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah and and uh i one thing that i that bugged me about it, and this is a small nitpick, and this is all based on marketing and everything. But man, I hated that they cut the uh, Paul Rudd's 
whole like is it too late to change the name the there's there's two shots in the in the trailer where he talks about the name Ant-Man and how he doesn't like it like there's a shot where he says that to Hank Pym and then he says it to another character I don't think we'll spoil that in the in the episode but uh he says to another character he says I didn't pick the name or whatever and that's that was cut from the finished product hmm. and I was like super bummed out cuz that was such a nice like that that was such a fun a fun thing to have into uh, into an action superhero movie that is so so bizarre and so unique to have the character actually like say like okay yeah Ant Man that's a ridiculous name so did you guys notice that at all? Um, I did yeah I, I, I was I'm kind of in your corner on that I I was very disappointed that they didn't have that in there I thought it was funny it was probably my favorite part of the trailers mm-hmm. and I thought it. It kind of it would have gone really well with the tone of the movie because mm-hmm. it is ridiculous and the name is ridiculous and the fact that the character would acknowledge that the name is ridiculous it it makes sense to me so I was a little disappointed like you were yeah you know I think there's there's still a line in there where he does address it and I think the character in general is pretty humble and he's pretty um. I'm not saying you're wrong. I mm-hmm. I know what you're saying. Yeah, I think I, I think there could have been a little bit more uh, self awareness and maybe a little bit more um, self deprecation. I think. Okay. But you know, where does he where does he acknowledge it? Does he um, say it specifically? I don't want to spoil it. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> he he doesn't say he says a line similar to what you're referencing. Okay. Um, and you know he there's a point where they reference the Avengers, right? Uh, which I think everybody saw that coming because you know Marvel yeah, yeah. is. All the movies are very incestuous, incestuous, and, and tied together now. And so he references the Avengers, and it's a, it's in a very self-deprecating way. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was that was a good line. It was I, a really good yeah. line. And I was like, I think those notes all put together make him a pretty a pretty humble character, and pretty okay. in, in the spirit of what I what I assume his character is like in the comics, and and what what I would expect out of the, that kind of character. Okay. So I, I sure. didn't. I did. That didn't really bother me. I guess. Okay. I just kind of wonder if, and this may be my not necessarily bias, but this may be the reports of Edgar Wright leaving because Disney and, and Marvel kind of wanted to put their imprint on, in the movie or have their say in it mm-hmm. instead of having this. But I kind of wonder if that was kind of a thing. Like maybe Disney was like, okay, well, we don't really need the hero of the of the movie talking about how silly the the name is because you know this is a pretty risky property, even though it's Marvel's. 12th movie right and they've all been just you know going to the bank with it although i guess you know the box office returns are kind of um with i would say cutting out (laughs) those lines probably didn't help the box (laughs) office take if uh if it is if it is a disappointment as as it as it seems to be but well you you mentioned um edgar wright and Mm. and how you know it's it was a troubled production and I'm just curious what your guys' thoughts were on on the script and how the tone was captured and and, and maintained throughout the movie because I, I definitely saw Edgar Wright's fingerprints all over the script, mm-hmm. um, but not done to the same level as he would do. Um, you know, he's he's such a quirky and unique filmmaker. Edgar Wright is that. No one else can really match him. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's he's this an unsurmountable talent. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying right. he's so unique that there just aren't other filmmakers like him. Yeah. He's like a, a you know, just like Danny Boyle or, or 
Terry Gilliam, like you know when you're watching a Terry Gilliam movie. Right. Same thing with Edgar Wright. And I saw I could pick it up in the dialogue mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit the the filmmaking and editing, but it was nowhere near an Edgar Wright level movie. Um, right. But that doesn't mean that it was bad. I think... I think that would have been a really cool thing to see is Edgar Wright's Ant-Man, him directing it, <laughs> writing it, editing it, producing it. That would be so much fun, and I, I would have preferred that, I think. Oh, I definitely um, agree. Yeah, I would have preferred that. But I'm pretty happy with what we got, and I think I, I'm glad that he added what he did to it. I think I think mm-hmm. he definitely made it, probably improved it from what it, what it was and what it ultimately is. I- yeah, I totally agree. Pat, what did you think of uh, Edgar Wright's absence? I think you can you can feel his presence there. Like you said, uh, there's definitely a comedic touch to this movie that we've we've all kind of touched on a little bit. But I think I kind of agree with Tiny in the sense that I would have really liked to see his Ant-Man because there were certain problems that I had with the script. I, I touched on it a little bit in, in our broad strokes uh, section. I think it's very exposition heavy. I don't know if that was that part is in his script or not, and I guess we'll never know. But I just felt like there was a lot of them explaining what was going on, and they used what I, I always call comic book science. There was a lot of throwing <laughs> around words that yeah. sound scientific just to com- – I don't know if it's to confuse people or just kind of, <laughs> oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like you don't know what, what they're talking about, so what they're talking about has to be right sort of thing. Yeah, it reminds and me. There, oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. What? No, oh, no, no, no. I, I was just gonna say it reminds me of like uh, back in 24's days when, when they would just yeah. spout out techno battle like, oh, the the Cisco the uh, Cisco Colonel is breaking. It's like Cisco is the name of the company that is sponsoring the show. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, what were you about to say? And from what I understand, a lot of the reason that he left in the first place was the fact that he didn't like the the stuff that Disney and Marvel were kind of forcing on him to to kind of connect this movie to the rest of the universe mm-hmm. and I completely agree with him I felt like that stuff was definitely forced and obviously we won't spoil what happens right. but I did like him mentioning the Avengers I thought that was kind of a cute line and it it made sense to me because I've always had a problem once the Avengers movies happened I've always said well why would there ever be a solo superhero movie again why wouldn't you just always have the Avengers. But so I kinda liked that he was almost acknowledging that. So I thought that was cute. But at the same time there's a there's a bigger scene later that ties in the Avengers even more. And I, that felt forced to me. So I, I almost kind of <laughs> respect and agree with the fact that he didn't want that in his movie and I would really like to see his Ant Man movie. Not that I didn't like this movie. I, I liked it quite a bit actually. But I just that part for me, it was fun. I got to see a character that I really like. Um kind of hang out with Ant Man, which is another character I really like. But at the same time I was just like, This is just forcing him into the universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. And we'll we'll talk more about that. We'll we'll do a proper spoiler section, I think, uh here in a bit. But uh yeah, the, Seeing, I would love to have seen an Edgar Wright take on Ant Man, and I can totally respect him for not wanting to um, have his his image, the thing that he was working on for so many years, tarnished by forcing a connection to this greater universe. Even though, I mean, yeah, the greater universe is is kind of the big bankroll of the, of the whole franchise as a whole and everything. But I, if he 
I have the utmost respect for Edgar Wright, specifically because he chose to walk away from something that he worked so hard on, presumably because they were trying to force him to go against his vision uh, from his perspective. Um, and it's interesting because uh, I can't I can't remember her name, but Pat, you just shared this on the Nerd You're Looking For uh, uh, Facebook page. But the uh, the director of something, what was it? She she. So- it was uh, the director of Selma. I'm terrible with names. If you listen to our podcast, you know Tyler gives me <laughs> about it all the time. I don't remember her name, but she was the director of Selma. She just turned down Black Panther. Right, and she turned it down because she thought that there would be too much compromise, right? Exactly. Yeah, she, which pretty much is a lot. A lot. It sounded like a lot of the same reasons Edgar Wright left Ant-Man. Yeah, and I kind of wonder if this – you know, it's interesting to think, and this is pure conjecture, but I kind of wonder if this – kind of method or this kind of trend of i don't know if i don't know if there are any other like there's no telling who else they've approached for different projects and everything and if any other directors have made have passed on marvel projects specifically for this reason but the fact that the public is becoming aware of okay edgar wright left ant-man because because of this, that was the reported reason. I don't know if it was ever officially confirmed or anything like that, but uh, I know that uh, John Favreau had trouble with Iron Man Two. The reason that he stopped after Iron Man Two is because they had Marvel had given him a release date and wouldn't move it or anything like that. So he was, you know, he was confined to this release date and he couldn't put out the product that he wanted to because the Marvel heads wouldn't wouldn't uh wouldn't move or do anything with the thing i think there was also money involved there but anyway and then now this now this director isn't wanna, wanting to compromise i kind of wonder if in in the face of dc really uh spawning their whole uh cinematic universe i kind of wonder if marvel's gonna stumble more here or if it's going to continue being profitable at least through to uh infinity war because they've got some if Ant-Man is underperforming this with this release, I kind of wonder how the Inhumans and uh, I think I can't remember what else is next, but uh, Black Panther also is, is kind of a not unknown, but to the masses who don't read the comics like me, I don't really know Black Panther. I don't really know the Inhumans. I just know from what I've seen in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I kind of wonder if that's that's indicative of how Marvel is going to go or if they're going to change in any way. What do you guys think of that? I have no idea. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, I, I, I mean, there. I, I think, like I said, I think Marvel's kind of like nailed this thing down. Like, mm-hmm. it seems like they know what direction they're taking everything, and they can kind of do what they want, really. And it's like, why do they need to kowtow to directors, really? Mm-hmm. Um, I have a feeling that's kind of why Joss Whedon is not going to do the, the next Avengers oh, yeah. movie. I mean, <laughs> and I don't blame him, you know. He's he's a pretty versatile guy, anyways. He likes to do different things. He doesn't really stick to one. I mean, he's done TV shows for ten years, but right. you know what I mean. Like he he mixes it up, and so I think that probably has something to do with it as well. But mm-hmm. I I don't know. I I really I'm not sure. I really care because they're just they're <laughs> cranking out such great stuff. I just whatever they're doing works. Interesting. And so I I just I'm just not really questioning it. But I understand where you're coming from though, because right. you know you get attached to this stuff and when there's always the threat that it's not going to deliver and Mm -hmm. and if it doesn't it just throws a wrench in everything and so i know where you're coming from right uh i'm just i'm not really worried about it okay pat how about you are you are you worried about it not particularly i think when you do something for as long as marvel's done and they have have this long track record i think you're going to stumble here and there Mm -hmm. which 
I mean, you guys have gone through all of the Marvel movies. You you did your Marvel Cinematic uh, Universe retrospective, so you guys talked a little bit about how they've stumbled here and there. Mm-hmm. I just think that a studio does something for so long of people are going to directors are going to say no here and there. So I don't think it's indicative of the quality of the movies or the pressure that, that they're putting on these directors or anything like that. I just think that you have so many moving parts. It, it's hard to kind of get everybody together and get, get everybody on the same page. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. So let's get back to talking about Ant-Man specifically. Uh, so the, I mentioned before that the action scenes in, in my eyes were just really pretty spectacular. I loved that the way I loved the way that they set up uh, confined areas, or, or at least I'm talking about post post heist sequence. Like there's a couple confined areas, but once once they drop down to size, it becomes just this massive battleground and and stuff like that. And we'll we'll talk about that in a bit. But uh, the heist specifically, what did you guys think of that? And what did you guys think of the uh, <laughs> the supporting characters of of Scott's friends, uh, um, uh, there, there was there was Michael Pena and uh, Ti of of all yeah. people, Ti was in this movie, <laughs> and then that other guy that was in the Dark Knight, he was the crazy guy that Joker hired for uh, right with the with the Rachel Doss name tag. Uh, what'd you guys think of them, and then also the heist specifically? Go ahead, Pat. Um, I love the heist as a, uh, as I mentioned before. It, it felt a lot like a Mission Impossible. Yeah. type of, of scene. I, I really appreciate that. I love those movies and I just love caper movies in general. So I liked the the planning leading up to it and just the heist itself. His friends, um, I mean, I liked Michael Pena. He was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I couldn't really give or take the other two, to be honest with you. And it kind of just filled out the movie for me. I mean, T.I., it is what it is. You know, he was... I agree. Michael Pena was the standout of the supporting characters. I did not like the uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but David, whatever he he was the guy from The Dark Knight. I didn't like. I felt like he was putting his accent was just hor- horrid. Um, but Ti I thought did okay for you know he did about as well as you would expect a rapper to do in a uh, in a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. <laughs> um, and then. Also, uh, yeah, the heist I thought was a, was a lot of fun. Uh, Tiny, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I agree. And you know, they gave us uh, they they gave us a few heists really because you know you have the the one where uh, Scott Lang breaks into Hank Pym's house and and, yeah. and knocks out the the safe and all that stuff. And that was fun. I mean, that's that's classic caper heist heist stuff. Um, but then the, you know the big heist at the end where they're breaking into to Pym Tech and mm-hmm. they're that was like Ocean's Thirteen kind of stuff, Ocean's Eleven kind of yeah. stuff. Not quite as intricate and you know gimmicky yeah. or whatever, um, but really fun like that. Um, I, I'm I'm with Pat. I love heist movies and mm-hmm. and caper stuff. Uh, you know the Sting and the Ocean's movies and stuff. It's just awesome. Um, and yeah, the Friends. I've I've always been a big fan of Michael Pena, um, another actor who has the capability to do really quality comedy and drama mm-hmm. um he's had some pretty questionable roles uh <laughs> but uh I, I i enjoy him always and uh and he was so funny i mean that's those three characters were i'm guessing about 80 percent edgar right probably you yeah. know i mean especially yeah. michael pena he was so much like um <laughs> 
like uh, gosh, I can't think of his name. Like a um, Nick Frost character. Nick Frost, yeah. So yeah. much, so much Nick Frost on on that character. Um, <laughs> he was covered in frost. Covered in frost. <laughs> he was frosted. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you know, when he went into his his diatribes about how. So I was talking to this guy, <laughs> right? And he's like at these fancy places. <laughs> that that felt was so Edgar Wright. It did, that, and it was yeah. so funny. I loved that stuff. Um, <laughs> I like T.I. too. I don't think he's too bad. Um, yeah. I thought he was okay in uh, American Gangster when he was in that. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, he's he's fine. And, you know, I've seen him in some other things. I, hmm. He's whatever. Yeah. I don't care. Um, so Baskin Robbins. Um, <laughs> 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 that I, I, I just wanted to say, I just, I loved that scene. That scene was fantastic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, uh, I guess we can kind of start winding down and going into spoilers here in a second. But uh, what do you get, what do you guys think? Oh, what did you guys think of Evangeline Lilly? Because um, I felt like she, it was nice to see her in a franchise that she had a reason to be in it. Yeah, um, <laughs> but but it was. Uh, I, I thought she was she was she was good. She was a little underused, and I kind of feel like she uh, she brought some weight to the characters. One of the problems that I had actually, and I'm kind of all over the place, but the motivation of Hank Pym to break into Pym tech to get the, to get the yellow jacket suit, which is the whole plot of the movie. um, I felt like that wasn't clearly defined to us or at least it wasn't communicated enough. We get the backstory of why, like why he, why he retired or, or or why he, uh, why he stopped doing the Ant-Man stuff or whatever. And I guess that leads into why he doesn't want, anyone to have the technology but i feel like that was more a personal tragedy for him and we won't say what exactly it was but um i feel like that was more a tragedy for him and like the scene where where uh scott asked him why or they asked him why uh why he doesn't just put on the suit and go do it and he's just like wearing the suit where uh it takes a toll on you and i don't know if they were trying to say like okay the tragedy is the toll that he's talking about or or is this like an actual physical toll of the of the comic book science as you put it pat that uh moving the moving the atoms closer together and shrinking them is there like a is there like a sickness in him from that i i feel like that was that was part of the part of the reason part of the um clunkiness of the script for me was in that i felt like the there was a lot of scenes of him saying like, I don't want anyone to have this technology or anything like that. And I don't feel like there was really a communicated thing, uh, communicated to us to tell us why it's such a horrible idea to have this technology. Like I, I was <laughs> when Darren Cross gave his, uh, gave his, gave his little, uh, uh spiel that showed the video and everything. I was like, you know, this could actually be pretty damn awesome yeah. for the military. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. What did you guys think of that? Did you guys think that, um, Hank Pym's motivations were made clear, or or am I crazy, or or what? No, I, I really kind of agree with you. I'm I'm glad that you brought it up because when he said that that wearing the suit takes a toll on you, I thought to myself, he's saying that to Scott. Mm-hmm. Then why the hell? Like that's not much of a pitch right. for you to go in there. You might come become crazy later <laughs> if you wear this suit too much. So I thought that was kind of odd, but I. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you that it a lot of this, a lot of little things here and there weren't really explained, which is crazy to think because they over-explained a lot of stuff in the beginning. But there's pieces here and there that I'm kind of fuzzy about as well because I don't think it was, like you said, clearly defined. Right. Tiny? Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think uh, I, I think the the vagueness of that, statement that sink that solitary line that it takes a toll on you 
I think that the, the mysteriousness of that is kind of fun, but I think in the right hands of a writer and director, they could have gone into much more depth with that, and it would have been more satisfying. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I didn't have a big problem with it, but yeah, I, I can completely see that as in regards to that specific example. But like uh, the heist stuff, yeah, that was that was that needed a lot of work too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you mentioned Evangeline Lilly. Um, I, I have a pretty strong opinion about her in this movie. I I think she's a, a solid actress and, and a pretty good actress. I loved her on Lost. Mm-hmm. But this is just so not her role, um, not in her wheelhouse. I think this role would have been so much better in the hands of, like, uh, an actress who's done comedic stuff before. Um, I, I don't know, like uh, um, an Anne Hathaway or, like... Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Um, oh gosh, what's her name? Who's going to be in the X Men movies? Um, Olivia Munn. Olivia Munn would have been okay. awesome in that role. Um, just I don't think she's proven enough as an actress. Olivia Munn. I don't know. I think she, I think it would have. I think it falls more into her wheelhouse, though. Okay, that's I what see I'm what saying. Because because she there's a several lines of comedy that fall on her ability to deliver them, and okay. I think she she did okay. Evangeline Lilly did okay, but. I think a truly comedic actress and a quality actress would have would have really shined in those moments, and I don't think she quite did. I can I I see your point. Yeah, yeah. I thought she was fine. I thought she was okay, but um, yeah. I just don't think she had a lot to work with. Uh, Pat, are you still there? I heard the thing. Yeah, I can still okay, hear cool. you guys. We're okay. good. I, I heard a, the Skype thing, but anyway, uh, what did you think of Evangeline Lilly? I thought she was all right. Um, I, I I appreciated the subtleness of the love story that they kind of didn't hit us over the head with it. I appreciate that. They, 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 I thought they built that relationship really well and it, it really pays off towards the end. There's a, there's a really funny scene at the end that I really appreciated because they didn't hit us over the head with it. But her in this movie, I mean, she's okay. She's okay. I mean, there, there wasn't anything about her performance that I, I was really drawn to. I mean, it could have been anybody in this movie in in this role, and I think they would have done just fine. I think that her being teamed up with Paul Rudd, I think her deficiency in kind of her co- comedic timing was overshadowed by him. Because mm-hmm. I mean, you you put her ag- against someone like that who has kind of made their name in comedies. I think that it kind of points out other people's comedic timing or lack thereof. If yes. is that making any sense? I I'm not being as articulate as I'd like to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. I'm with you. Okay. Yeah. I, I just think Paul Rudd is so good that he kind of, he points out when, when somebody's not up to his level. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I really appreciate, I appreciate a lot of what they did with her character too, because I think I loved how, how significant she was, you know, she was integral to the plot um, and that she was there in to the highest, you know, to get into uh, to Pimtech and, and all that stuff. And she was hugely integral in the development of Hank Pym as a character. You know, mm-hmm. the father daughter Rocky relationship was actually really compelling. And there's a few scenes where that emotion really spills out and I thought they were both great and I thought that was a great move for the character. Um, and then there's some other stuff I don't want to spoil, but yeah, she, she, she wasn't just, 
she, she wasn't and she wasn't overly sexy like they weren't dressing her up like a slut right. and like you know she wasn't she wasn't just there for to be a pretty face and say a few lines and fall in love with the lead guy you know it, she she had she had a role and i appreciate that and i think i think marvel has been pretty decent in that respect with their female characters there, yeah there's despite some what some of the media yeah there's some criticisms you can levy at them without question but but i think they've been they've they've done pretty well and and she she's a shining example of that yeah i i agree um, yeah. So let's let's move on to spoilers here for a second, but just really briefly, I have one final question before we move on to spoilers. Um, so, what do you guys do? You guys think that the, regardless of the box office take and everything, do you guys think that from Ant Man it, itself is there a sustainable, contained like franchise opportunity with this with this character, or is this would you guys rather it be just a one off? Marvel Cinematic Universe kind of thing. I know that he's going to be in um, Captain America: Civil War, and I know that there's, you know, the the, the movie kind of leaves it open for um, a sequel. But do you guys think that, like, I I personally I preferred or I enjoyed the action sequences, and I feel like that if if the opportunity presented itself, maybe in Phase Four, if or whatever, um, for a for an Ant Man two movie. Um, I think that with a, with a director, um, with with someone seeing through the production beginning to end, and really kind of creating um, a, a story that isn't having to work with a with work with a uh, troubled production or anything like that. I think that it could be an entertaining movie, but I I don't know if it would be profitable for Marvel. I, I guess I don't know. What do what do you guys think? Is this a is this a is this character sustainable for multiple movies and it's in its canon, or is this just a one-off uh, cinematic universe tie-in? I, I I know I really want to see more of him, without question. Mm-hmm. I really want to see more Ant-Man. Um, I think if he showed up in Infinity Wars and um, Civil War here, and maybe I don't know, I don't know if he's going to be in either of those, but um, he's going to be in Civil War. He's going to be in Civil War. Yeah. Okay, I mean, if, if he just shows up as an ancillary character, I think that'll be pretty satisfying, but. I'd love to see a second movie. As, I think as an as an Aunt Solari character. Oh my god! Go ahead. I'm so. I sorry. can't believe neither of you have called me Anthony yet. <laughs> <laughs> Give it. Aunt, wait till the spoilers. Aunt Tiny. <laughs> god damn it. Yeah. Anyways. Um, uh, Anti-waste. Go ahead. Sorry. God <laughs> damn it. <laughs> Finish your thoughts, and we can go to spoilers. Yes. Let's get Pat's thoughts. God um, damn it. Uh, I think. I, after seeing this, I think the Russo brothers could do something incredible with an Ant-Man sequel. Ooh. You know, given what they did with the Captain America sequel, mm-hmm. um, I thought, I don't know, I think that that first Captain America movie didn't leave a lot to be desired, at least in my right. opinion, and they just blew it all out of the water with that sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing what they could do with with Scott Lang and Hank Pym and and all the other characters, man, I, that would be awesome. Totally, uh, Pat. What do you think? I'm right there with you. I'm. I would. I would be definitely interested in seeing another one. Now, whether or not they make another one, given the box office, is kind of remains to be seen. But I really liked how this movie felt like it was contained. Like mm-hmm. it made sense that the Avengers didn't come in and kind of save the day. So if they could make another movie like this that are kind of is kind of a, a self-contained story, uh, I I definitely be interested in seeing it. I know in the comic book, 
his daughter plays a huge role in his life like right. he does like she does in in this particular movie and so if they could kind of revolve another movie around her i think that would be a great way to kind of uh contain the story so i'd be definitely be interested in seeing another ant-man movie that's a good idea nice so that does it for our discussion of ant-man and uh stay tuned after the episode after the pre-record outro because we have a lengthy uh, spoiler section where we deconstruct our thoughts on the spoilerific aspects of the movie there. So that'll, that'll be forthcoming. Uh, for now, uh, we're going to switch over to Potpourri, which if this is your first time listening, Potpourri is the section of the podcast where we just basically talk about anything that we've watched lately, anything that we're excited for, anything like that, anything we want as long as it smells good. So, Pat, since you are our guest, uh, why don't you get us kicked off with uh, what do you what do you – what did you bring for us for to discuss on Potpourri? All right. Well, I watched another movie this, this weekend. It was released the same week as Ant-Man, and that is Trainwreck, which is a movie that I've been looking forward to for a while. It was uh, written by its star, Amy Schumer, which I can't, I can't decide how I feel about Amy Schumer. <laughs> uh, my wife really loves her show, and I appreciate her comedy. She, she's a stand-up comedian. And so I appreciate why people like her. I just I, – I don't really get it. But anyways, it was directed by Judd Apatow, which if you see this movie, you could tell because mm. – I say that because it it's 20 minutes too long. <laughs> I don't think he's ever, ever been in the editing room ever. I don't think he knows what an editing room is because, I mean, this movie would have been so I, – I don't want to say perfect, but it would have been t- – so, such a, a tighter movie if it was an hour 40 versus the hour – I think it was like an hour two or two hours and two minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a little bit too long. Some of, the, some, of the, some of the bits just didn't work for me. That being said, I, I do think it was really funny. It, w- it really tried to be a more toned-down version of They Came Together. Like ah. it, it tries to kind of poke fun at romantic comedies, but at the same time, it follows all the same beats of a romantic comedy. So it's it's kind of hard to to kind of poke fun at something when you basically are that thing that you're making fun of. At, at a certain point, I was just waiting for the fight to come because there's always that big fight, <laughs> and then the couple. You see the montage of the them staring off into the distance and just kind of <laughs> being by themselves for by themselves for a while. And so I was just kind of waiting for it and it happened and it was kind of disappointing. It felt really forced. Um, the argument was just silly and I'm just like, oh, you got, you're two grownups. Just be grownups. <laughs> it's not what you're arguing about. Does it, does it matter? It, it's really stupid. But, um, that being said, I I, I kind of dish or uh, uh, kind of trashed it for a while, but it, it it is a really funny movie. I I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I was going to. Amy Schumer is really good in this movie. I was surprised that there she. I mean, she's obviously a funny woman, and so I wasn't surprised that she was funny in this movie. And I wasn't surprised since she wrote it that it was a funny movie. But I was surprised at how well she plays the drama. There is a there's a, a section in this movie where she has to give this really powerful speech, and she just nails it. It's ridiculous. It it was it was really touching, and I, I appreciated that. I thought it was kind of weird that 
Bill Hader plays kind of a straight guy? Like, why would you cast Bill Hader and then have him play a straight guy? Mm-hmm. Like, it was it was just kind of strange. His, some of his jokes or what are supposed to be his jokes don't really land for me. So it was just kind of like he's the straight and narrow kind of guy in this movie and, and she's the crazy one, which is which is fine because it kind of flips the script a little bit because in most mm-hmm. romantic comedies, it's the guy that's kind of the project. And in this case, it's Amy Schumer, which – Another little weird kind of nitpick in inside inside Amy Schumer, her name obviously she plays a fictionalized version of herself, so her name is Amy. Mm-hmm. In this movie, her name is Amy, and it just <laughs> bothers me. Like, could she play a character that isn't named Amy? Like, could she not remember? Like, when people call her the wrong name, does she not gonna respond to it? It just it, like little stuff like that kind of bothers me, mm-hmm. but. There was a couple of athletes in this movie that really stole the show for me. LeBron James, which I know, Matt, you're not a big sports fan. He plays basketball. Oh, That's the one oh. where they dribble and they shoot it in the hoop. Okay, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, and he he doesn't play bat. He's not a basketball player. He's the basketball player. Yeah. Okay. And Are you talking about in the movie? No, in in real – shut up. <laughs> For like a second you got me and I was like, oh, okay, he doesn't know. And so I, I was going to explain it, but you're just being an ass. <laughs> Anyways, and so if you, if you sp- follow sports, you mm-hmm. kind of know who LeBron James and you kind of know his persona. And in this movie, it really plays off of that, and it kind of shows you a side of him, which obviously is not a real side of him. Well, I don't know because I don't know him personally, right. but it just kind of plays off that public persona of LeBron James, and it's really funny. I think that he – in other movies, I think if they got LeBron James and they, they found this character and it worked really well that they would have overused him. But I think in this movie, he's really used just the perfect amount. He brings that comedic relief. Not that this movie necessarily needed it because it it was really funny. But just they use him the perfect amount. And it just – all of his jokes completely land. And then there's John Cena in this movie, which I (laughs) – Oh, yeah. (laughs) He doesn't play John Cena in the movie. But his scenes, the little that he's in it. It's just fantastic. He plays one of her boyfriends in the, in the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. and there is a bit where they're watching this movie, and I actually do like. I, it's kind of hokey, but I do like when movies when you when you go to when when characters go to a movie in a movie and they watch like a fake movie, and in this <laughs> and in Trainwreck, they have they're watching a. Daniel Radcliffe movie. He's like a rogue <laughs> dog walker. And it, it's really, really funny. But anyways, they're, they're watching this movie and they get in an argument and this couple behind them start yelling at them because they're being loud and John Cena's character tries to trash talk with this guy and it's just like really like homoerotic stuff. It's really <laughs> hilarious. Like this just big bulky guy is yelling stuff about punching this guy in the in the dick hole and it's really, really funny. Um, and their scenes, LeBron James and John Cena really kind of surprised me in this movie because they stole every scene that they were in. It was it was fantastic. Nice. So, yeah. so you would recommend seeing Trainwreck then? I would, but I would be 
I would not get too excited. Like I, I would definitely uh, hold your expectations. Don't get your hopes too high. Okay. For train wreck, it is funny, but like I said, it's about twenty minutes too long, and there's a lot of bits that don't work, at least for me. But there, I did find myself laughing a lot. So yes, I would suggest it, but just be kind of, just kind of damper your expectations a little bit. Okay. Nice. Okay. Uh, Tiny. Why don't we take our talents to South Beach here? Or is that something LeBron James says? Did you just look that up? No, no, no. I, I, I pulled that. <laughs> I, I know my things. I've, I did some Googling after How I Met Your Mother made a reference. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Tiny, what do you... God. Start talking, Tiny. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't play there anymore. Well, still, it's still a... <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> he did play. I'm glad. I'm proud to know that you did... You knew that he did play there, right? Yes, oh, well, yeah, yes. that's good. Um, uh, <laughs> I am embarrassed to bring this up. I watched Fifty Shades of Grey. I you should be embarrassed. I should be. Yes. I see the tattoo. I, <laughs> I just really wanted to see it because it's a cultural phenomenon, and I was like, "What the hell is everybody so crazy about?" And so that's why I really wanted to see it because I just I had to know. Um, it was worse than I thought it would be. <laughs> it was so. So bad. Uh, have either of you seen it, Pat, Matt? I haven't, but I plan to specifically because on my podcast app, I listen. I listen to a lot of different movie podcasts, and a few of them have done review episodes about Fifty Shades of Grey. So yeah. I have that on my radar to see it before that, specifically so I can listen to the episodes. But I haven't seen it yet. Have you seen it, Pat? Uh, I have not, and I have. L- Almost no desire to see it. Okay. it. It's one of those movies that I really didn't. I wasn't interested in it at all. But if it came out and like the reviews were really glowing, I probably would have seen it. But I've heard just terrible things about it, so I have no desire to see it. Okay, it is exceptionally bad. Um, <laughs> it's it is awful. Uh, I I thought I I just don't know why I thought it would be better than it was. <laughs> Um, because I, uh, there's, there's this blog that this British girl wrote where, um, she reviewed the first book chapter by chapter. (laughs) I've Uh, heard about this. She, the title of the blog is, get your bleep button ready, Matt. Okay. It's called 50 Shades of Tedious Yes. (laughs) It, I, I read the entire thing in one sitting at work one day and had tears streaming out of my eyes from this girl. Breaking down each chapter, it's so funny, um, and she she just absolutely tears it to pieces. The book, which I, I mean, based on what she says in this in her reviews, it's it's just absolutely horrendously written and just like like an affront to the the art of penmanship and authorship. <laughs> um, it's that bad, and so I figured the movie would cut out some of that flack and that fluff, but it really didn't. I mean, the characters are so one-dimensional and bland and it is it is absolutely uncharacteristic uh in respect to the dominant submissive snm community which i'm not a member of but uh, i know those people absolutely hate this story because it is not it is not accurate at all to what those people are into and you know i'm i'm a person who believes you know what if it makes you happy and you're not hurting anybody go for it and so if that's what makes you happy then go ahead and do it um I don't think it's right to take that away from people if it makes them happy. Um, and so, you know, go ahead and do that. Like, I support that. And it it upsets me that it was so 
egregiously misrepresented and, and, and something that's basically a cultural phenomenon that may has made tens and hundreds of millions of dollars in both print and film. Um, and it's, it's just, it's just really awful. I mean, uh, the script, the script is the worst thing. It's, it's just, it's, it's like a, it's like a 13 year old heard about <laughs> something called S and M and was like, Oh, I want, I want two characters to fall in love and do that. It's just, it's so, and it's like, people talk about how graphic it is. It's not, it's super tame. Like really? he just spanks her a little bit and they bang. And that's, that's uh. the, and I, I watched, I rented the unrated version too. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and so you see more, and I was like, "This is like the tamest S and M I've ever seen in my life." What the hell is? Not that I've seen a lot of S and M. Nice save, uh, nice save. <laughs> <laughs> not that I've seen a lot. Of hand to God. Um, but seriously, it's just like it, it was just, it was just such a misrepresentation of of what that is, and it's mm-hmm. like you're not you're not. It's just not art. It's not artistic at all. There's just no art to it. Um, I I was just so blown away at how cheap it's so so cheesy. Mm-hmm. Like the th- the line there there's a line that I have been repeating because of its cheesiness. Because um, like I'm gonna spoil it for you. Uh, the girl is like, so are you gonna make love to me now? And he's like, I don't make love. I f- hard. <laughs> like I I've just been, been reusing that. <laughs> like my girlfriend like, are you gonna are you gonna leave now? And I I don't leave. I walk out hard. <laughs> I've just been like reusing because it's so ridiculously cheesy. It's, it was just so bad. I, I, I cannot wait for the riff tracks. <laughs> they are just going to rip it. Like think nice. of if you've seen Twilight, any, any of the Twilight movies, mm-hmm. uh, take the super cheesy dialogue scenes and turn it into two hours. That is, <laughs> that is the movie. I am going to watch that soon. Like, next week we're doing Extended Potpourri. That's yeah. going to be the first thing I bring up, Tiny. Me and my girlfriend just laughed at it for two hours. It was so <laughs> bad. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, uh, yeah, uh, look for my thoughts on Fifty Shades of Grey next week. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so I'll, I'll go ahead and round us out with uh, with my Potpourri section. If uh, Anything else you guys want to talk about with uh, Fifty Shades of Grey? No. Okay. No. Okay, so... So this week, if if you've been fo- if you're if you're a follower of the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com, you will know that I've been tweeting a lot and uh, posting a lot of stuff about Indie Film Fest, which um, I think it was episode sixty six of the podcast uh, when we talked about I Origins. Uh, Tiny and I talked about how last year we went and saw I Origins as the opening film of Indie Film Fest. Indie Film Fest is a nonprofit organization that puts together this film fest for this film festival uh, with both feature film feature films and. Uh, and a ton of different short films from from filmmakers and things, uh, and people. Uh, anyway, uh, and so they have a bunch that like they've been doing this for like fifteen, sixteen years. I think this is the fifteenth year that they've done it. And uh, I like I I realized like way too late that it was coming up. So uh, cheap cheap as I am, I sent an email to them saying like, Hey, do you guys have press passes? Not thinking that's a non non profit organization. <laughs> so I didn't hear back, but I went and I went to opening night and I'll talk, I'll talk more about indie film fest, uh, probably next week for extended potpourri. Cause I did end up seeing a lot of different, uh, movies and it's still going on now. I plan on seeing, uh, a couple more movies. So I'll just talk about opening night and, uh, the opening night film, the film that opened the Indie Film Fest in 2015, was uh, 
Sleeping with Other People, the uh, romantic comedy with Jason Sudeikis and Alison Brie that's coming out in September. And uh, it's basically about two people. It's I wrote a review on the blog about it. It I liken it to When Harry Met Sally. It's about two people who, in college, lost their virginity to one another in a one-night stand. And then 12 years later, they bump into each other in New York. And then they 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 realize that the one-night stand that they lost their virginities to each other at uh, has negatively affected every relationship they've had since then. And so they strike up this platonic friendship, and it's basically, from there, it's like a When Harry Met Sally kind of situation where they're friends, but they're, they have this mutual attraction, and they're trying to keep that in check and everything. Meanwhile, uh, they have different, different things. And, and I, I'm, I have to say, I absolutely loved this movie. I, I, am, I am far and away an unapologetic fan of the romantic comedy, and this movie is w- one of the better ones I've seen in recent years. I mentioned that it's like when Harry met Sally it's, I, I have no problem saying that this is, this is the, when Harry met, this could potentially be the, when Harry met Sally for the millennial generation. Wow. And what makes it so great is that it's, it's funny. It's organically funny. It's, it's rated R, but it doesn't rely on lowbrow humor or like Dick and fart jokes or anything like that. The humor comes organically from the, from the character's, uh, interactions and, and things like that. And what I really, really appreciated on a very deep level here is how much it resonates with the modern dating scene for 20-somethings in uh, modern dating, basically. Like, there's a lot of things in this movie that I, I personally resonated with or personally resonated with me and uh, personally know people that have been in situations similar to things that these, these characters are like, um, for instance, Jason Sudeikis, he is this womanizer who doesn't have, uh, who, (laughs) I realized that that sounds like I'm a womanizer. I'm trying to say that I'm a womanizer, but it's not, (laughs) that's, that's not the connection I made to it. But anyway, um, like Jason Sudeikis, his, his journey throughout the movie is that he's a womanizer who does like one night stands. He doesn't do like relationships or anything like that. It's kind of a standard thing, but there's a humanity to him that like he's, he's slowly becoming, He's what sets him apart from different uh, uh, from different characters, and that's with that same like type or that stereotypical character is that he has this journey in which he realizes and knows why he is like this, and he's actively working to to improve himself. And he he notices and realizes how much his relationship or his friendship with Alison Bree's character is is doing that, is improving his him personally, and he's wrestling with his feelings for her throughout the movie. And uh, on the other side of the on the other side of it, uh, Alison Brie's character is this character who is who is in love with um, with a character who tr- who uh, who takes that love that she has for him and completely takes it for granted and has no conscience over the power that he has over her, and so she's caught in this in this uh, this addiction to him. And she's constantly improving him, and like he's like he's just a shady ass character, uh, and it's it's a really great journey for both of these characters as they as they interplay with each other and they they have this dramatic uh, friendship basically. And you know it's a it's a romantic comedy. It follows a lot of the same tropes. Like there are on both sides of the characters, they have the standard uh, best friend slash voice of reason kind of characters. Like. Um, 
Alison Brie's version of that is Natasha Lyonne plays uh, plays her just best friend, and and it's it's kind of like she pops in like two, in two or three scenes, and it's kind of like okay, that seems like they're tra- trying to uh, just check off um, this trope from from the checklist and everything. She doesn't really make a big impression or anything in it, but. On the other hand, Jason Sudeikis's answer to that uh, trope is uh, <laughs> is in the form of his friend slash business partner Xander, who's played by Jason uh, Jason Man. Uh, oh, how do you pronounce his name? Jason Manzukis uh, from the League, and uh, um, oh, I don't know. He was also in Parks and Recreation. He was uh, Dennis Feinstein, uh, the the perfume guy. Um, I'm not sure. You would know him if you saw him. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce his name. What you're talking about? Yeah. So anyway, uh, he. He and his wife, played by Andrea Savage, is kind of like they're they're the voice of reason characters for um, Jason Sudeikis' character, and they they pop up more frequently, and they're a little bit more integral to the plot, and that's something that I really appreciated. So, anyway, um, I've said a lot about it. It's a really, really, really good movie. Uh, it releases uh, in September. I think September 11th is when it releases, and uh, I highly recommend going to see this movie because it is so. It kind of blew me away. Because it is such a, a a very apt deconstruction of dating and modern relationships under the uh, frame of a somewhat standard romantic comedy, but it's it's the characters and the uh, the journey that they take that really really elevates it past uh, its its genre really. Um, cool. So that's, that's sleeping with other people. Uh, it comes out September eleventh. Nice. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Did you know about this film going into it, or was it something, oh, well, I'm just going to go to this film festival, and this just so happened to be the movie they were playing, or? I didn't actually, I hadn't actually really heard that much about it. I knew that there was a trailer out for it, and I knew that Jason Sudeikis and Alison Brie uh, were in it, and that that alone was enough to sell me on the movie anyway. And then I found out that it was the opening film of Indie Film Fest, and I was like, I need to go to Indie Film Fest, and uh, I really wanted to really wanted to see it, and that was just kind of the icing on the cake uh, for that. And uh, and also just <laughs> Indie Film Fest. If you're if you guys are listening to this, this will drop on Thursday. And if you're listening to this, Saturday is the closing night and awards or closing night and after party of it. They're going to screen the movie Wild Like. Um, go to it. It's it's such a cool environment. Like sitting down in the seat at the Toby Theater and the Indianapolis Museum of Art before the movie started before sleeping with other people started like i just felt like just such an energy in the crowd of all these people that love movies were there for indie film fest and like in that moment i was like fuck me why did i not think ahead yeah. buy an all access pass take off work and cover everything for for the blog and everything like why did i not think to do that <laughs> so like that is my plan for, like i'm laying down the gauntlet right now next year one year from now I will have a full write-up of as much as I can see and write at Indie Film Fest 2016. I will have an all-access pass. I will have complete I – will, I will make that my bitch next year. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, it's such a fun environment. I'm hoping that I can get one of the, uh, the executive director. I, I met him at the, uh, the after party. I, I introduced myself and handed him my card and told him that I would love to have him on, uh, on the podcast for, uh, for an Indie Film Fest wrap-up episode to kind of talk about the festival and all that. So I'm hoping that that – comes through so maybe in a couple of weeks you might you guys might be hearing uh, an interview with him but yeah it's just if you're in the indianapolis area uh it's inspired me to like i've i've been writing stuff 
on the website this past weekend uh, specifically for Indie Film Fest or about Indie Film Fest, and I've, I've made a complete section of the, po- of the website devoted to Indianapolis things. So, so I'm hoping that this kind of spurs us into more local coverage of Indianapolis things. Um, I can echo that hopefully. sentiment, too, because I had mm-hmm. the same reaction last year when we saw right. iOrigins. I mm-hmm. It's just such a cool energy there, like you said. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, also, yeah, I just yeah. I just recently went to my first film festival myself, and it, nice. I can really contest to that. And it, and it's really the one of the reasons why I asked you if you had known about that film going into it was mm-hmm. it was really interesting for me because being the big film buff I am, it's really hard for me to go to a movie and not know like a ton about it. Yeah. And so it was really interested. It was really interesting to to go to a movie, and I saw a multiple movies that day. And not have any idea what was going to happen. It was really interesting, and I was kind of blown away by the quality of films that I was watching. Yeah, and that's such a rare that's such a rare thing these days. And it's something that I, I love. And there's there's like I'll talk about it next week on our extended Popery episode. But um, there was one movie that I saw the next night na- next night that I knew nothing about anything about, and uh, all I knew was the premise, and it sounded cool, and I had some mixed mixed feelings about it. But uh, I I love the feeling that in this. I don't know if this says anything negative about the way that I view movies or anything like that. I don't know if this reflects poorly on me as a viewer, but I love knowing that my opinion of a movie is unsullied by either outside opinion or marketing or anything like that. Like that mm-hmm. is such a rare thing to, to accomplish these days and being able to kind of have your own voice molded from your own experiencing a movie is so rare that like these kind of events are exactly why I, I love it so much. Um, yeah, so I'll I'll talk more about that in the next episode. And if if you're interested in what I said, check out obsessiveviewer.com slash Indianapolis. I'm hoping to fill that up with a lot of more local stuff. I know I have a section for like Heartland Film Festival that's gonna be in October and I have a section for a couple of the theaters that do uh pop up screenings of, of like different uh specialty screenings and stuff like that. I think this weekend me and Tiny are gonna go to the Artcraft Theater in Franklin, Indiana for a screening of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, so hopefully we'll have more to talk about next week for that. But uh, I think that about does it for us. Uh, anything else you guys want to talk about or anything, or should we close it up? Let's put a bow on it. Yeah. All sure. right. I'll well, wrap it up. well, Pat, thanks so much for coming on, man. Uh, it's been a blast having you on again. It's so sorry it's been so long. <laughs> uh, why don't you go ahead and just uh, tell tell our listeners where they can find you and and where uh, where they can find all your stuff. All right, cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a blast. I, I enjoy just kind of chit-chatting with you guys. I love talking movies with you guys. I feel a little bit intimidated sometimes because you guys know a little bit more than I do, but <laughs> it, it's it's always fun. Anyways, you can find us at, on Twitter at the Nerds Podcast, Facebook.com backslash the Nerds Podcast. Uh, check us out on Google Plus, um, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, basically any podcast directory. Uh, you can email us, the nerds you're looking for, at gmail.com. Check out our YouTube channel like we talked about bef- earlier. I'm going to be posting our first Let's Play. I'm really excited about it. I think it's really funny and uh, a really well-done video. So I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys think about it. Right on. I'm really looking forward to that to that Let's Play and all the stuff you guys are doing. Like that, YouTube is one area that I, I haven't cracked yet or done anything with or anything. So I'm really I'm really excited for you to kind of cultivate like a presence there and let's play is just a perfect a perfect venue for you for you to kind of kind of do some stuff on on there uh, i'm excited for you so 
All right. Well, uh, we're going to throw it to the pre-record outro. Make sure that you stay after that for the uh, for our spoiler discussion of Ant-Man. If you've seen Ant-Man, uh, if not, save that for later and you can come back to it when you see it. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. And out. Awesome. Cool. Cool. That was a lot of fun, man. Yeah, I, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's always it was always fun. Um, I I always look forward to it. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. Good sh- Medea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like Medea's family reunion. Uh, Hi, Pat. Hey, guys. Hola, hey, Patrick. can you hear us clearly? Yeah, I can hear you. I'm going to turn on my volume a little bit. Sweet. Um, I'm sorry that I missed your call. It's it's um, cool. I just for some reason I thought I was calling you and I was <laughs> dancing to the music. And by the time <laughs> I realized that uh, you are in fact calling me, it was too late, and you had already hung up. <laughs> you f- up. <laughs> that is fantastic. That is going to be our tag. Thank you for listening to the Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com. And you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at matt, tiny, or mike at obsessiveviewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer and follow us on Twitter at obsessiveviewer, at obsessivetiny, and at IamMikeWhite. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, ObsessiveBookNerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at TheSecularPerspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other. All right, so let's go into spoilers for for this really briefly, and then we'll go on to potpourri. Although now that you're listening to this, it would be at the end of the episode, and you would have already heard us talk about potpourri section. Anyway, so spoilers. Um, first, let's start with the the <laughs> the Avengers tie-in. First of all, I, I would I'll get us kicked off. Um, the scene, the the moment that you realize that there is going to be an Avengers tie-in when uh, he's riding Antony and he's he sees. <laughs> he sees he sees that the uh the warehouse that they're going to infiltrate for Stark uh to get the to get whatever whatever it was uh, the MacGuffin um <laughs> in order to <laughs> when when they when he sees that it's the when it's he sees that it's the the freaking new new Avengers facility from yeah. from Age of Ultron I was like I just kind of got like oh, okay that's that's awesome that yeah. is awesome uh but the actual way that it played out felt like very much like 
it felt like Marvel Studios was like, okay, who can we get who's the cheapest, who is, <laughs> yeah. who's available? <laughs> like, who can we get to come on for come on to the movie for a couple of days and uh, shoot scenes? And I guess the short straw landed on uh, 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 Anthony Mackie, which I love Anthony Mackie. And yeah. I, love, I love Falcon and all that, but it's also like... He like it, the scene. He he was calling. He was he was radioing back, and I'm like, who's he talking to? Yeah. Are they gonna have like a scene of someone else? Like, are they that like? Are are their purse strings that like tight or whatever? But I, I thought that the the action scene, the fight scene, and everything was cool, and it was it was you know solid. So, what did you guys think of Falcon's cameo in Ant Man? I really loved it. I mean, I I agree with everything you said. I really do. Mm-hmm. But um, it was just. It was just so fun that I really didn't care. I realized that we were, as an audience, we were being taken taken for a ride because it's like, well, we have to tie the Avengers in, and right. people will complain if there wasn't an actual Avenger in, even though he's not really, in, he's sort of an Avenger. He's an Avenger. He's an yeah. Avenger. Yeah. Um, people will complain, so we're gonna we're gonna do what we can, and we can get Anthony Mackie. So that's what we're gonna do. And so I completely agree with that. But at the same time, like. The comedy in that scene was so damn funny mm-hmm. and just so fitting, and I love the way they played off of each other. It reminded me of, um, of, uh, um, gosh, what's it called? The, the part in the first Avengers movie where Iron Man and Thor get into it in the woods when he takes off with Loki, mm-hmm. uh, and then Captain America shows up. It reminded me of that. Doth mother know you weareth her drapes? <laughs> like, it reminded me of that, you know? Um... <laughs> And I, I just thought it was so much fun that I really didn't care that it was a MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fun. Nice. Pat, what did you think of it? I felt like it was a little forced. I, I did enjoy the scene. I thought it was a lot of fun. Like I said, it was it was Ant-Man, who is a character that I was falling in love with. And it was Falcon, who is a character that I really enjoyed um, in Captain America. The only problem I had with it is it just it felt forced. Mm-hmm. Um it seemed like it was one of those things where they they were running through the script and they said, well, there has to be action in so many pages. Like there has to be certain uh, bullet points or kind of uh, just points where they, they have action in them. And it just felt like an excuse to have him fight somebody. I did, ha- however, appreciate that. I mean, other than Iron Man, he's really the only other Avenger that really doesn't have a superpower. And Ant-Man really, to be honest with you, doesn't have a superpower. No. He gets all of his power from his suit, and mm-hmm. so does the Falcon. So I thought that was that was a good character to kind of him to, to face off with. I, I appreciated that. But like I said, it just felt forced. I was excited at first when I was watching the movie when you, when you see him riding the ant and you see the Avengers symbol, and you're like, oh, that's the that's a, that's a building from Age of Ultron, and you get excited, and then it just like it slows down the movie. And mm-hmm. after they fight, you don't actually see Scott get the get the thing. It was just kind of like, oh, yeah, he radio the Falcon radios back to him, and then the scene's over. I was like, well, he's still breaking into the Avengers building. You would think there would be more security than just one right. guy. So I, I just felt like that was kind of rushed. Huh? Hmm, that's her. Yeah. 
Man, that could have been so... Man, that could have been such a big, like, a big set piece for the movie. Instead of having just one one Avenger on, on Ant-Man, that would have been an awesome sequence to have him infiltrate the Avengers and have the Avengers think, like, what the hell is going on? And yeah. have, like, multiple ones trying to find him and everything and kind of doing this whole espionage thing where he sneaks in and sneaks out and grabs it and all that. That could... Ah, man, that's such a missed opportunity. But... Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so... I just love how he was fighting. It was a reluctant fight. He was like, oh, God, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm really sorry about this. I really this. respect you. <laughs> I'm a so, big fan. That was so funny. That was really good. That was yeah. good, yeah. But I think that it's it, overall it's a missed opportunity. But um, I have a gripe about my theater experience, though. Um, I bought my ticket fairly early. Like I bought it like maybe 20 minutes before the movie started. And when I got in there, I was the only one in there except for one guy that was on the phone. But, you know, it was before the movie. It was before the previews. It was before, before everything. So I sit there and I realize, like, oh, that's kind of weird. There's no sound coming from the, like, you know, like uh, it was a Regal theater. And Regal has the um, the first look seg- segments where they show, like, little mm-hmm. behind-the-scenes things, you know. Um So I was like, that's weird. So then when the previews started, there was still no sound. So... Uh, some some local hero in the audience, not not me, but just some some hero, um, went and uh, told them that there was no audio. So they like did whatever, and it was audio. Um, side side note here: half of the trailer for uh, Everest sounds really cool, <laughs> but anyway, um, but so at the end of the movie, about midway through the credits, the sound cuts off. Jeez. And I was so irritated because it did not come back on. So the stinger at the end of the movie, the, the final the scene after the credits, I saw lips moving. Uh. I didn't hear any of the audio, but I did look it up. And um, basically, what did you guys think of the after credit scene? I, uh, Pat, I know that you're a big comic book guy, and I assume that you've read Civil War. So yes, I know I that there's... Uh, from what I read, there is a reference to the Accord and stuff. Do you want to uh, share your thoughts on the on that post credit scene? I, I really appreciated it. I, I enjoyed it a lot. It showed – it kind of hinted at the fact that there is some discontent between uh, Steve Rogers and Tony Stark in, mm-hmm. in, the, in that scene. I, I really – I liked it a lot. And, of course, I mean they're trying to bring Ant-Man into it. Um, but I mean, I just, I liked it a lot. I mean, it, it's kind of hard to talk a lot about what a 30 second scene, <laughs> right? Uh, I, I really appreciate it because we, we see it a little bit in the Avengers, but I, I liked how this is kind of the first real discontent you have between the two characters. Nice. Yeah, I agree. Tiny, what'd you think? Yeah, it was, it was fun. I thought it was a fun direction to take with, uh, you know, all the momentum they built with the Ant-Man movie to just kind of throw it in the mix with, with the Captain America storyline and the Winter mm-hmm. Soldier and stuff like that. It was awesome. I nice. loved it. Yeah, I thought it was a fun, fun direction to take it. Cool. Um, okay, and, and we didn't mention this in the, in the uh, regular discussion or anything, but uh, one thing that I really appreciated about this movie and we can tie this into the spoilers because we can talk about Anthony. But um, the I really, really am so happy, if anything else, that the scenes of the insects once he's ant-sized, like the giant insects and stuff, did not creep me out. And I think yeah. that's a testament to the movie because they move they, – that is such a uh, the a kind of uncanny valley kind of thing where if you make it too real, you're gonna creep out the people that are insectophobic like me. Yeah. Um. Like seriously, like tw- uh, like 
probably three times in the last couple of weeks I've seen spiders in my apartment in the patterns of the paint on my ceiling because I'm so freaked out by spiders. And, uh, and like, they're not there. It's just, you know, a Rorschach painting on my wall of, of spiders all over the place. <laughs> but anyway, so, so I really appreciated that the scenes where he's riding an ant or he's commanding the ants and, and the ants are just blown up and everything, I really appreciated that that didn't skeeve me out and creep me out or make me feel uncomfortable at all. And I thought that that's a really good testament to the, to the production of the movie. What did you guys think of the actual scenes involving the insects and uh, the method of, of commanding them and Anthony and all that stuff? What did you guys think? I agree 100. They weren't uh, they weren't over anthropomorphized anthropomorphized or anything. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't to a comic level. They were still animals, um, but at the same time, they were emotive and they were uh, relatable and and, and pet like, um, especially mm-hmm. at the end, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> um, yeah, it, I agree. They did, they did a great job with it. They 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 towed the line perfectly. Mm-hmm. It was it was well done. Nice, Pat. What do you think? I liked them. I, the, the scenes with him and the answer, they're cute. I mean, there's a lot of uh, comedic scenes. I just, I don't know. Maybe it was something that I missed, but I, I just didn't, I didn't buy the explanation of why, why he could command the ants. I was going to ask that. Yeah. It, it's almost comes across as tel- telepathic, but that's ridiculous. Like it, it transcends simple comic book science uh, to be like, okay, like I couldn't, I didn't buy into the method of doing it. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. What, what did you guys think? Yeah. It was like auditory, I guess. Cause he would think mm. it. And there was like a little, I don't know. It was weird. And mm. I, I, I it's you have to have that in the movie in order for it to work, and uh, I don't know. It's it, it's a it's a huge suspension out of your belief. I mean, you're suspending oh, yeah. your belief anyways because there's unrealistic suspending science. disbelief. Sorry, suspending disbelief. Yeah, um, because you know there's unrealistic science in it anyways. Right. But you know that's something that's that's expected. But this went went a little further than that. If they had added, like, a scene where Hank Pym, like, explains to him, like, if you just hum slightly or something, they'll come do that. If they did something like that, then yeah, but it seemed like too, it seemed like too far a fetch for a movie, <laughs> considering that it's a movie about a guy that can shrink down to a, a very small size and have powerful uh, moves and stuff, have the power of ants, basically. Um, yeah. Uh, and I, I feel like the, <laughs> the pet, owner relationship between Anthony and, and Scott Lang. While it was humorous, I, I appreciated that he uh, got the, uh, he like, he made a name for it and everything. Like, when Anthony gets uh, presumably killed, I was like, I f- it's an ant. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't have any connection to this character besides the, the fact that it's charming that he's named him. Yeah. Um, did you guys feel anything when, when uh, Anthony bit the dust yes you heartless bastard <laughs> yeah I, I mean i did yeah to, to a, um, um, a minor effect you know it's not mm-hmm. like it's not like hedwig and and harry potter or anything right right but, uh yeah i mean it was it was whatever i don't care mm-hmm. the ants don't live very long anyway so right. he's he's kind of they're all kind of a one movie deal anyways yeah uh you know farming and everything is uh it takes its toll pat what did you think of, of anthony it, it takes its Honestly, I I could care less. I mean, I I, I liked the scenes. I thought it was cute, like I, I mentioned before. But 
for me, you couldn't tell that it was him anyways. He could have called every single Anthony, <laughs> yeah. and you would have had to believe him because he didn't look anything different, at least to me, <laughs> to every other ant that right. was in them. I mean, obviously it had wings, but um, all the other ants that had wings, it's like he could have called them all Anthony. And it, I went, yeah. okay, yeah, sure, that's that's that ant. That looks exactly like the other hundred ants that you've been talking to. <laughs> so it, it really didn't make a whole lot of difference to me. Yeah, and and I mean, and I'm not trying to say it, like, I I don't think it was per, particularly like meant to emote or any or get an, elicit an emotional response out of us or anything. Because I mean, <laughs> when he gets killed or whatever, like Scott, like Ammons literally like jumps onto another one, and then all he says is like, "You're going to pay for this" or whatever. But I, I didn't feel like it, that was the intention. I thought that maybe if they wanted to go that route they could have if they developed it a little more but again it's it's a it's an ant mm. um uh what did you guys think of the final and then this can be kind of the end and we'll, we'll wrap it up and uh all that but um what did you guys think of the final like battle between uh yellow jacket and ant-man what did you think of of um uh, uh, darren cross once he became yellow jacket uh, i particular i personally thought that he looked terrifying <laughs> yeah in the suit i thought that that was really cool and i like i said before um seeing the seeing the scale of it change through through the fight sequences like they're in a helicopter and then it shrinks down and that's a massive a massive battlefield basically um what do you guys think of the action and the climax of the movie post heist i thought it was a, it was great i mean it, i thought the uh i thought um yellow jacket was a little you know cross uh he he was a little a little over the top you know his whole mania that he went through or whatever was a little predictable and just kind of like, you know, you've seen that before and just, just not out of place really. Cause mm-hmm. I don't know. It seemed like they, they kind of hoisted it on the excuse that it was the, what, like the, the fact that he was shrinking and yeah, it kind of made him kind of crazy. Did something to his head. But it's like, well, why wasn't he doing that to Scott Lang or, you know, or Hank Pym? It's like it, I don't know. It's just weird. I don't. I don't understand yeah. why. Why that needed to be a part of the character. It, and when, sorry, when when uh, when Evangeline Lilly said that, like I think she said, like oh, it's messing with your brain and stuff or whatever. I I, I think that's what she said. But yeah. when that happened, I was like, where did this come from? Yeah, like, what the hell? <laughs> exactly. Like seriously? Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Did you have more? Did you want? Well, and I thought it was it was just random, random that he chose. Uh, Yellow Jacket chose to go to his de- uh, Scott Lang's daughter. And use her like like why did he like I how did he, he know about the Ant Man suit? Yeah, I know, but it it was just kind of like it, it felt it felt forced, contrived because yeah, it, it was contrived in order to get his daughter into the climax of the movie mm-hmm. and truly motivate like really motivate him. And I don't know, it just seemed a little too convenient, I guess. Okay, that he just happens to show up there. Nice. Not happen. I, mean, I don't know. I, I'm not articulating it well, but right. yeah. Pat, um, ugh. Pat was offended by that because he's a Corey Stahl fan. I guess so. <laughs> I like Corey Stahl. Pat, what did you think of? Uh, I know that you're a big Corey Stahl fan from from The Strain and from House of Guards and all that. Um, what did you think of Yellow Jacket in the movie? I thought he was really great. I thought Corey Stahl did a good job. They took a lot of liberties with the character from the comic books. I thought that his motivations were kind of trite. 
I mean, we've seen this the, these types of motivations a lot in like a thousand other movies. I d- kind of disagree with you guys talking about the suit. I don't think it was the suit that made him crazy. He was kind of already crazy, right? Because he killed that guy in the bathroom for just disagreeing with him in a meeting. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. So I think he was – I think the suit does mess with you, mm-hmm. but I think he was already kind of that way anyways, and the suit just kind of amplified that. That's true, and plus Hank did tell him like he what, he saw himself in him, and that's why he why he drew away or whatever because he saw too much of himself in it. There was there was a, maybe I'm not getting enough, giving enough credit to the actual interplay between those characters and the motivations of those two characters because there is stuff there. I, it just didn't wasn't really communicated to me that well, and um, yeah, yeah. Uh, what did you think of the actual uh, the final action sequence and and all that stuff? I. <laughs> First of all, I I loved like that scene. Like one of my be- one of my uh, favorite like oh man scenes from the movie was when uh, was when Hank looks at his looks at his daughter and then like shows the shows the keychain. He's like, "This isn't a keychain." I was like, "Holy sh! That's awesome! <laughs> nice. That is so cool!" <laughs> um, actually, I actually kind of thought that because they kept showing the keychain, yeah. and I was like, "I bet that's gonna get big, and they're gonna <laughs> drive through it with a tank." <laughs> That's that's uh, yeah. <laughs> I bet that's gonna get big. I, I that's what a lot of girls. Think. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I I I feel like an idiot for not <laughs> thinking of that because it, it was very noticeable that they that they you know they paid a lot of attention to it. But I was just like, I was with it with that. Um, the Thomas the Tank, yeah, fight scene. What did what did you guys think of that? God, that was funny. Just how he he threw the disc thing and it turned it, it enlarged it. That was just yeah. another one of those hilarious things. Mm-hmm. The disc thing was something that I wasn't expecting from it. I think that that's a nice element to the Ant Man character. Yeah. Um, in terms of like weaponry. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I I liked that scene a lot. I liked how they played with them shrinking and getting bigger, and um, I, I really liked how they they played with that. Tiny mentioned something that I kind of disagreed with a little bit earlier. I liked the fact that he went to Scott Lang's house. Well, I guess it wasn't his house, but his da- went to his daughter mm-hmm. because that she plays a huge role in the comic books. So I thought bringing right. her back into the movie I-, I thought was really important. They took a lot of liberties with his character and he- there's there's a there's a a big plot uh point in in the comic books that uh, obviously doesn't come into into the movie because he's a completely different character, but I really liked how they brought her into the into the fray. Okay. Uh, I thought that that went a, lo- a lot uh, along with with the comic book. Okay, nice. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, Fair enough. Cool. So uh, we'll we'll wind down with this uh, the mid mid credit scene uh, with with uh, Hank showing. Uh, Hope the the wasp outfit. What'd you guys make of that? Uh, are you excited about her being wasp in a future movie? I know that uh, uh, Kevin Feige or Kevin Feige has said that she's going to be in the suit at some point, but it's not going to be in like Civil War because he didn't want uh, the first time seeing her in the wasp suit and and uh, interacting with Scott Lang to be in like a bit part in another movie. They're going to wait and do that. Probably it'll. 
from the sound of it, it sounds like it'll be in like Infinity War or something because there's not an Ant-Man 2 on the on the slate or anything. So what did you guys think of? I know we've talked about Evangeline Lilly, but what did you get? What did you guys think about Wasp coming into play later? Um, I think it's exciting because, I mean, what's not to love about two people that can shrink down right. <laughs> and do all that awesome stuff? Um, yeah, and I, you know, they demonstrated that she's a martial arts expert and stuff like right. that. So I think it'll be cool. I mean, there's, like I said, there's no reason to not be excited about it. I think it's going to be cool. Right. Pat, what do you make of it? Yeah, I'm very excited. Are very excited because the the Wasp and Ant Man, Hank Pym's Ant Man, are actually founding members of the Avengers. Right. So oh, I, I appreciated that they're finally bringing that character in in into the into the universe. I was kind of hoping that they would do something with Agent Carter with his wife, and because I mean they have the the Agent Carter series, which I haven't actually watched. It's um, yeah, yeah. And I kind of was hoping that they would do sort of a prequel with him and his wife and kind of blend it into Agent Carter, but it doesn't seem like that's the route they're going to take. Yeah, they kind of left it open for something like that because uh, cause the, the wife, like, you never see her face. Like, they don't have, like, yeah, a, exactly. an actress in mind for it. I think that Michael Douglas said that he wants Catherine Zeta-Jones to eventually play if she ever appears on screen, um, yeah. which is his in, in real life wife. But, um yeah, and also that that'll that'll be our closing thought is what did you guys make of Hank's backstory with, with that and the whole subatomic particle kind of thing um element to it. Like I mean that that was another thing that kind of didn't bother me but it was kind of like a little formulaic to me. It's like okay, they reference that there is a way to go smaller to go in between the molecules and all that stuff and it's like clearly that's what's going to happen at the end of the movie and and Scott's going to find a way to come back. It's going to be uh, I almost spoiled a, a another Disney Marvel movie, actually. Um, to, uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, I won't. I won't spoil it. But um, it's very kind of kind of formulaic in, the, in that regard. So, what'd you guys make of that? I didn't have a problem with it. I thought that it was cool. I thought that the uh, <laughs> the the scenes of Scott Lang falling through was uh, really cool. Uh, more effective than Interstellar. What did you guys think of it? Though? <laughs> I actually was gonna bring up Interstellar. <laughs> It reminded me a lot of that, actually. Yeah, me too. I, I mean, they planted the hell out of that, so I knew, being the big movie buff that I am, if they bring something up, it's going to pay off at the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, got, I, I knew that that was going to happen, and obviously I knew he was going to be in Civil War, so I knew he was going to find some way to come back. But, um, I mean, it was a cool scene. I, I enjoyed the visuals. But like I said, I knew he was going to find a way back, so it kind of was just sitting there waiting for him to find the way that he was going to – I mean it worked. I, I liked how they brought back the discs because I thought after after him using it a couple of times that they were kind of just done. So I, I liked how they, they brought him back. But like I said, it just – it reminded me a lot of Interstellar and I was just kind of waiting for him to come back because I knew he would. Right. Yeah, I mean, I agreed. Yeah, I was obvious that it was going to come up and he'd be back and all that. Um, I didn't think it was more effective than Interstellar. Well, you know. But uh, <laughs> each their own, I guess. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, it was cool. I mean, yeah, it was, a, fun, it was cool. a cool idea. Yeah, good visuals. Cool. Um, well, I think that that does it for, for the discussion of, of Ant-Man. Um, yeah, so that will be the end of the episode. Uh, what?